Joseph Smith and Martin Harris began translating the book of Lehi on April 12, 1828, and in 64 days they had written 116 pages. Martin asked if he could take the manuscript home to show his wife, Lucy, who was concerned about the time and money he was spending on this project and wanted to see physical evidence of the plates. He hoped that seeing the manuscript would convince her the work was legitimate and stop her opposition to it. Joseph asked the Lord with a Urim and Thummim and was told no. Martin begged him to ask again, and the Lord said a second time that he should not take the manuscript. He was under tremendous pressure from his wife and friends and pled with Joseph to ask the Lord just one more time. Joseph knew the Lord's answer, but he wanted to help his friend and benefactor, who was twice his age, greatly respected in the community, and had helped him so freely with his time and money. This time the Lord said yes, under the condition that Martin agree in writing to a sacred covenant to only show the 116 pages to his wife and four others. He went to Palmyra with the only copy of the manuscript. Shortly afterwards, Emma gave birth to a son who died the same day. She also nearly died, and Joseph stayed at her bedside for two weeks, nursing her back to health. Joseph had not heard from Martin for three weeks, and Emma, knowing his concern, encouraged him to go to Palmyra. Joseph went to his parents' home and sent for Martin. He usually arrived quickly, and the family prepared breakfast for him, but he did not arrive for hours. He slowly walked toward the house, then paced outside with his head hung down and sat on the fence with his hat over his eyes. He finally came in and sat down at the breakfast table, then pressed his hands to his head and said in despair, Oh, I have lost my soul. Joseph sprang from the table and asked Martin, Have you lost that manuscript? Have you broken your oath and brought down condemnation upon my head as well as your own? Yes, it is gone, and I know not where. Joseph exclaimed, All is lost. What shall I do? I have sinned. It is I who tempted the wrath of God. I should have been satisfied with the first answer I received from the Lord, for he told me that it was not safe to let the writing go out of my possession. Joseph wept, groaned, and walked the floor. He asked Martin to search again, but he told the prophet he'd already looked everywhere. Joseph said, Then must I return with such a tale as this? I dare not do it. And how shall I appear before the Lord? Of what rebuke am I not worthy from the angel of the Most High? The next morning they left with heavy hearts, and Joseph returned to Harmony, afraid that all was lost. Exhausted and discouraged, he wrote to his mother, after I left you, I commenced humbling myself in mighty prayer before the Lord, that if possible I might obtain mercy at his hands, and be forgiven of all that I had done, which was contrary to his will. Moroni appeared to Joseph in July 1828, took away the plates, and told him, If you are sufficiently humble and penitent, you will receive them again on the 22nd of September. Moroni had also taken the Urim and Thummim, but gave them back to Joseph, who then used them to receive Doctrine and Covenants, Section 3. Section 3, verses 1 through 3, remind us that the Lord is in charge and knows everything. His works and designs will always be fulfilled, no matter what, and He has planned for every possible problem that may come up. All of Satan's clever plans will fail, for the Lord knows the secret thoughts of men and perfectly and clearly sees the future. 
He knew Satan would try to frustrate the coming forth of the Book of Mormon by tempting men to steal the manuscript. If Joseph retranslated the lost pages, those trying to discredit him would alter the manuscript words and compare them to his retranslation to show they contradicted each other. But the Lord had foreseen this, and 2,400 years earlier, he inspired Nephi to prepare two sets of records, one with an account of their secular history and another of their spiritual ministry during the same time. Joseph was told not to retranslate Nephi's secular history, but to begin the translation again from the more spiritual records. The loss of these 116 pages taught Joseph one of the most painful lessons he ever learned. He humbly wrote for the whole world to see and learn from his failure, and described the Lord's rebuke as sharper than a two-edged sword. He then adopted a rule for himself, when the Lord commands, do it. Knowing the Lord prepared for this mistake long before it happened gives us hope that he has prepared a way for us to escape from our mistakes through repentance. The Lord said his work cannot be frustrated, and he wanted Joseph to clearly understand his mistakes and their consequences. Even though Joseph received many revelations and did mighty works, he must not boast of his own strength and follow his own desire, or he would incur the vengeance of a just God. He had been entrusted with translating the sacred record with strict commandments, but he was persuaded by men and transgressed God's laws. He should not have feared man more than God and set aside his counsel, but should have been faithful, and the Lord would have extended his arm and supported him against all the fiery darts of the adversary and been with him in every time of trouble and assured him that if he repented, he was still chosen and called for the work. Joseph's parents were worried about him. In just a few weeks, he and Emma's firstborn son had died, she had almost died, and he'd lost the manuscript. So they traveled to Harmony to see them. Joseph's father had three dreams where he was searching for something he lacked in his life, but did not know where to find it. He wanted to know what his role in the restoration was, and knew his son was a prophet of God. He asked Joseph if he would pray to see how he could help with the work, and in February 1829, Doctrine and Covenants section 4 was given. The Lord tells us in section 4 verse 2, Therefore, O ye that embark in the service of God, see that ye serve him with all your heart, might, mind, and strength, that ye may stand blameless before God at the last day. To embark means to make a start, engage, or enlist in a great adventure or quest. We serve God with all we have to offer Him, our time, strength, talents, and our own free will. Verse 3 tells us that anyone who has a desire to serve God is called to the work, and we don't need to be called as missionaries. Any one of us can do God's work anywhere and anytime, which is to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man. The Lord said, The field is white, all ready to harvest. And lo, he that thrusteth in his sickle with his might, the same layeth up in store that he perisheth not, but bringeth salvation to his soul. A marvelous work needs marvelous workers. And in verses 5 through 6, we're given a list of traits we need to develop in this life that qualify us to do God's work. The Lord ends the revelation with a promise that if we ask, we will receive whatever we need to be a part of this marvelous work and wonder that began humbly with Joseph in New York and is now spread across the earth to bless all mankind. In section 3, the Lord called Martin Harris a wicked man 
who set aside the counsel of God, broke his sacred promise, depended on his own judgment, and boasted in his own wisdom. Martin was wicked by continuing to ask for what God had refused at first, and not keeping his sacred promise to guard the manuscript. But this refers more to his disobedience than a disposition to do evil. In his defense, we need to understand his situation. Martin had sacrificed much of his time and money to help Joseph with the translation, and had been sharply rebuked in one of the standard works. If anyone had a reason to be offended and turn away from this new church that had not even been organized yet, it was Martin. His wife and the community he lived in turned against him for helping Joseph. Yet he faithfully moved forward doing what he thought was right and did much good for the church. Martin wanted to visit Joseph in Harmony in March 1829. His wife was upset about the time and money he was spending on the translation of the plates and unhappy that Joseph had denied her request to see them. She filed a legal complaint against him and found people to testify that he'd lied about the existence of the plates. They warned Martin that if he did not testify against Joseph, he would also go to prison. Even though Martin had been Joseph's scribe while translating the plates, he'd never seen them. Now he wanted to, perhaps thinking that if he had this witness, he could testify of their existence in court and clear both his and Joseph's name. Joseph listened to Martin's request for this witness, prayed, and received Doctrine and Covenants, Section 5. It's interesting that while the Lord called Martin a wicked man, here in Section 5, Verse 1, he called him my servant. This is a great lesson that the Lord will forgive us as many times as we come to him in repentance and want to serve him. The Lord commanded Joseph to stand as a witness of the plates. He had entered into a covenant not to show them to anyone except whoever the Lord commanded him to. Joseph had been granted the gift to translate the plates by the power of God and would receive no other gift until this role was finished. The Lord made it clear that people need to believe in his words and receive a testimony and witness of the Book of Mormon by the Spirit and not by seeing the plates, and that they would not believe even if they did see them. He told Joseph, If they will not believe my words, they would not believe you. If it were possible that you should show them all these things which I have committed unto you. The Lord said that he had entrusted Joseph with these things for a wise purpose, to be made known unto future generations. But this generation shall have his word through the prophet Joseph Smith. The Lord talked about three additional witnesses to the Book of Mormon, who will see and know of a surety that these things are true. While eight witnesses saw and handled the plates, the Lord said that only three witnesses would be granted the power to receive a testimony of the plates testified of by an angel. They then had the responsibility to testify to the world of the truthfulness of the work, and their testimony shall go forth under the condemnation of this generation if they harden their hearts against them. The Lord said there would be a desolating scourge on the earth that would continue until his second coming if people did not repent. The Lord commanded Joseph to repent, walk uprightly before him, and not yield to the persuasions of men, and he would be granted eternal life and added prophetically, even if you should be slain. The Lord knew the desires of Martin Harris's heart, who wanted to be a witness, he warned him to bow down humbly in mighty prayer four times in this section, and he'd be granted a view of the plates he desired to see. He expected Martin to tell the world that he saw the things shown to Joseph 
by the power of God, and that they were true. He warned Martin to never deny his testimony, or he would be condemned. And if he did not humble himself and receive a witness, he would fall into transgression. Just as Martin asked for and was given conditions that he needed to follow to be granted his desire, we can also ask the Lord what we need to do to be a part of his great and marvelous work in these latter days. And these are sections 3 through 5 of the Doctrine and Covenants. Look for hidden objects throughout this video that are a part of church history or something that would have been common to that time. 